and then like smuggle in like an energy drink into someone's basement Fuck yeah! and then chug it and be like yo we're wild right now like <laughs> everyone's oh like gosh. going crazy and then our parents are like shut the fuck up it's like <laughs> it's midnight <laughs> oh, man. but like you know we weren't like I'm like, I'm a 23 year old man going through his pop punk phase right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> People well, better don't time understand than now. me, dude. My girlfriend fucking hates it. Oh, really? <laughs> Whatever. They pay. So I do. <laughs> yeah. Dude, they, there was not enough room, but they definitely opened the pit. <laughs> yeah. Dude, like, I, I, guess, I guess there's always room at oh, the end dude. of the day. I mean, obviously feedback, figuring out feedback and dealing with feedback is a pretty big one too, 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 Hello, my lovelies. It's been a while. Did you miss me? Cause I missed you, which is why I am back again with a new episode. After a two month hiatus, we're back with a new conversation. Life's just been busy, so it's kind of been on the back of burner, but finally caught a little window, and here we are with a new episode. It's a great conversation we have in store today. Um, as always, to anyone who's new, I'm Braylon Thomas, and this is my podcast, The Harmonic Trajectory, where I talk with my friends from Belmont and other friends in the music industry. Uh, we catch up, we chat we share advice we just have a good time and uh sorry if i sound a little funny this morning i've been uh putting down a slight cold this past week um yeah just kind of been all over the place was at bonnaroo then or well actually went from working cma fest straight to bonnaroo straight to a couple more shows or three more shows at um amphitheater where i work um so just been all over the place and then uh, just some other things happening too. Um, yeah, it's just been uh, crazy. Um, yeah, but um, anyways, um, so today's conversation is a good one for a couple reasons. Um, so first I've mainly had like artists on this show so far, but um, you know, this is a music industry podcast. I'm trying to get a full scope of the industry. So want to have like songwriters not just like artists but like songwriters too and like engineers like studio and live and like people who work in film or video games or um, people who work on like the back end like the corporate side of the industry um yeah just trying to hear from everyone like managers a and r um photographers vjs i don't know i could go on and on but i just want everyone on this podcast Cause it's fun but yeah today um our guest he is a live sound guy um he's worked at like various venues across nashville and he's also i'm gone on tour with some people before and um he's also my roommate um so it's a very good episode it's one i've been waiting on for a while um so yeah without um <clears throat> further ado um Please welcome my roommate, um, live sound guy, and certified one of the nicest people ever, Brandon Helson. Let's go.
So yeah, welcome, Brandon. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. This is yeah, nice. great to have you. This is a highly anticipated episode, by me at least. Um, I've been waiting for this one too. This has been a fun. I've been seeing them all go down and I'm like, shit, I can't wait till I get on one. <laughs> yeah, glad to finally be here. Yeah, totally. So um, yeah, just to provide a little bit of context for how we met, we met um, junior year through this um edm club that was formed um it was yeah we've like, each other for a while haven't we yeah about a few years now damn yeah um but yeah edm club just kind of like a little interest group formed for fans of raves and producers alike um it was a little short-lived it, i'd say the club um, the club was short-lived but like the groups were not i feel like because we we went to a bunch of shows together after that yeah like I, I was thinking about it like as as a club i think that like um i could have maybe used a bit more planning and like needed to be like a bit more um fleshed out i yeah. could say and i think like i don't know maybe we could have done more with like throwing events and stuff but um for i guess like some of the goals of the club it like certainly accomplished those goals like yeah totally i like a lot of friends i have in nashville that i go to shows with i met in that club met yeah. a lot of fellow producers and um yeah just other people who i know in the business totally and- i remember like before that club i had to like drag you know like just friends that like weren't into edm i'd be like yo guys like you could can you go to the show with me but then like after that like we had our like little rave group and stuff like that. So we would all just go whenever we could. Yeah. It was so fun. Yeah. EDM was definitely like kind of taboo at Belmont. It was so it was taboo. And like, I feel like EDM is like so popular now and it's like EDM is popular, but like pop music is like low key EDM. Mm-hmm, so for like, sure. pe- people don't like realize that. Yeah. Like I was, uh, have, have you actually uh, heard the new flume album yet? I haven't. I saw it popped up though. It is fucking insane. Is it you really? Do I need to, to listen? Oh, I saw it pop up the other day. I was like, Oh shit. Oh shit. It's here. But yeah, in the vein of pop music that album definitely like upholds kind of what you said that like it's becoming like kind of in a lot of ways the backbone of yeah. pop music yeah totally because like i mean like maybe there's a guitar riff in pop music now but like everything else is electronic mm-hmm. like it's all edm stuff <laughs> yeah all, all done on a laptop yeah know. the eight bar loop mm-hmm. we push we djs push more buttons than play i've said that many times on the show oh absolutely oh, a lot of people think we just <laughs> press play no we push a lot more buttons oh yeah <laughs> we tweak a lot more things than you think yeah so uh do you still open up ableton every now and then dude you know what i've been really lacking i the only time i open up ableton is to record live shows now i probably haven't opened in ableton and produced in like man it might be like six months to a year oh wow it's been a long time like just like literally anything i haven't opened a project file that i've worked on in forever i haven't like opened up any new things like pretty much only recording live shows now but I still love Ableton. You gotta love Ableton. Oh yeah, that's the goat for sure. Feels good whenever I open it up. But it has been, I've been having a lot of issues with Ableton lately actually. It'll just like mid-show, it'll just freeze, turn off, like save nothing and then tell me that there is like an error and I should report it and I'm like, okay, well. Uh, what, what version of Ableton do you have? Ableton 10 still. But I don't, I don't know if it's a computer issue or if it's an Ableton issue, but it's been screwing me over a little bit here and there. So Damn, you should maybe try updating. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. We got a little bit of beef right now, me and Ableton, but I think we'll get through it. <laughs> For sure. 
Yeah, for for uh for, for the listeners going back to production real quick, some of you may know Brandon as Ruminate. Yeah, yeah, Rum- wow, I haven't heard Ruminate in forever. That was yeah. And what's crazy is that like when I was a sophomore in college, I wanted to leave college to go be a producer in LA. Oh like, really? Yeah, I wanted to go to Icon in LA. Damn. Like I was like on like I was like seventy percent the way there to like changing from there to there, but Oh wow. Yeah. But you know, I'm glad I stayed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't. I don't even know what life would look like if I had went to Icon. I feel like I would have went, and then I would have had to move home because I don't know what else to do after Icon. Yeah, that that would have been a journey for sure. Yeah, and LA is expensive too. So, mm-hmm. love and wild. But yeah, I uh, I went to LA for the first time back in November. Um, like I've been around like that area. Like I've been to Santa Monica and stuff, but I haven't been like in downtown LA. Yeah. I was there for like two days, and all I could think to myself was like. Yeah, I would go broke if I was here. Oh, totally. I was living here. Oh, it'd be so fun to go broke there, but like totally go broke so fast. Like, dude, like eating out like a cheap meal is like 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's way too much. Yeah. And there's like shit going on every night. Oh, I know. And it's like always fun shit too. Like it's shit that I would be like, yeah, like I need to go to that thing. Yeah, for real. (laughs) And that's like six days a week. Mm -hmm. That'd be a nightmare. I don't even know like what kind of work I would do in LA either. Like what is it just the music industry and the film industry out there? What else is going on out there? Um, I mean, def- I've, I've, I feel like for what you do, work would definitely be a plenty. I feel like you. Yeah, be- I guess you're right. Yeah, I wonder what the I wonder what music venues in LA look like, like small, like mid level, like 500 cap rooms. I, I've never been to I've never been to a concert in LA actually. Yeah, I went to I went to a couple when I was out there. I saw Tame Impala at Hollywood Bowl, which was pretty fucking cool. It was awesome out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the most scenic venues I've been to. It's like this huge. Uh, it's like really big. Like I think it's like twenty thousand people. Okay, like yeah. a little bit less. Of, yeah, like well, the Hollywood Hills and the sign is in the background. What's the size of Ascend? Ascend Amphitheater is um, um, Ascend is like um. Which, by the way, if there are any listeners who don't know, Ascend Amphitheater is like the one of the premier Live Nation venues in Nashville. It's like this outdoor amphitheater pretty cool spot to go if you want to have a fun summer night but it's like uh six thousand people okay okay six thousand. oh yeah okay wow yeah then that's a big that's a big step up because the sun's pretty big like mm-hmm. the sun's a good venue dude yeah. i get a mix at i get a mix uh at cma's at a sun this year oh really yeah no way I i'll do, see you yeah. there dude, oh i'm excited gosh. i think i'll be there saturday and sunday oh my gosh I believe. but yeah i'm how, excited how, how'd you end up doing that uh, so I'm going, I'm touring with this group now called bear. It's spelled Bexar. Okay. But they're called bear and, uh, they're booked for it. So we're going to be doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. You said they're playing Saturday. Right? I think they do one of the days. Let me look one of the days they do an acoustic set. And then one of the days they do a full band set. Okay. But either way, I, I'm doing both of those dates for them. Which like I've heard I've heard horror stories though about C- mixing at CMA Fest. I heard it's either fine or like it's a it's a lot. Um, trying to think. Um, yeah, there's not much I could tell you, but I I guess if anything, I imagine it's like kind of quick because there's they they pack like a whole lot of um acts into like one night. Yeah, like a lot of quick performances, quick changeovers. Yeah, that sounds. It's gonna be, it's gonna be fun, but I'm a little bit stressed. I'm there the 10th and 11th. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what do you know? What console you're mixing on? 
I do not know yet. I haven't got any of the advanced information yet. Mm. They kind of been holding off on me for advanced stuff until like the week of, which kind of sucks. But gotcha. <laughs> oh, oh well, I'll get it eventually. Mm-hmm. Which actually, I guess, uh, since we've arrived at talking about live sound, tell the people a little bit about uh, kind of what you do. Yeah. So I kind of have a couple different hats. So like my my right now, the main gig is I'm a production manager for uh Jack Warner Productions, which is a production company. We, I mean, we do a lot of install work. We do, we staff venues in town. We do repairs and like all service work and everything like that. And then we do gear rentals. We kind of, we kind of do everything, but, uh, I'm the production manager for them, but on the side, like freelance, I also do sound. I'm front of house for, uh, this venue called the end, which is just like a, for people who don't know, it's just like a little 250 cap room in Nashville. And it's this little punk venue that's been there since like, I think 1999, like it's been there forever. And it's just like this little beat down rundown venue, but it's, it's really cool. And it's really fun. Some cool bands come through there. It's a lot of metal stuff, but metal stuff is fun live. And then I'm also one of the, I'm, this is like recent, but I'm uh, one of the house engineers at exit in now. So I'm doing shows there. Uh, and yeah, I mean, other stuff, I just freelance, but it's all running front of house usually. Sometimes monitors, but mostly front of house stuff. Hell yeah. Do you definitely prefer front of house? Yeah, monitors? I Yeah. I mean, if it's if I'm mixing in-ears, I, I'm fine with monitors, but I hate mixing a wedge because people think that they can get everything they want out of a wedge. And it's mm-hmm. like, you're not going to get everything from a 10-inch speaker that's at your feet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's not going to happen the way mm-hmm. you think it is. One time uh, when I was at MPAC, I was doing monitors for a show and like the guy who was coordinating it, he was like telling me how to mix it. Like, oh, oh I'm hearing like 150 hertz in this Dude. wedge. Can you cut that? <laughs> and you know, I was just like, sure. But like, yeah, <laughs> come but, on now. <laughs> Dude, people like that are the worst kinds of people in the world because they, they're like, oh, yeah, I read this on the Internet. 3K is good. So like put a lot of 3K in my monitor. It's like, dude, <laughs> he realized like. 3k is where it's ringing that's gonna yeah. blow your head off <laughs> I mean, if you insist yeah. if you like don't want to hear every anything else dude people it's like they think i mean like realistically i think in a monitor you need maybe kick drum maybe bass drum guitar if you can't hear it from the amp that they're blasting on stage vocals and then keys but people are like oh, i need the kick in mic and the kick out mic and the snare bottom mic and like really yeah and they're like i need to hear the reverb on the left side of the monitor and then delay on the right side it's like dude (laughs) it's you're you're overkill like this is so overkill it's it's a floor monitor like it's a floor wedge it's it's not it's not going to reproduce what you think it's going to do yeah it's overkill and it wastes time like it it wastes so much time and like they want it so loud and it's like you're only going to get it so loud. And so like all the time is wasted spending ringing out the monitor because they have so much stuff cluttering it that they still can't hear their vocals, even though the vocals really loud, but they have everything else also really loud. Yeah. It's a mess, dude. Musicians are hard to work with sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Belmont needs like a um, musician engineer etiquette class. They do. That or would be or even just like a convo. That, that'd be great. Yeah. A convo about it would be awesome. Cause like, I mean, like, I mean, the musician wants what the musician wants and it's the engineer's job to get it there. But the musician doesn't realize what the engineer has to do to get it there. So, like, yeah, you know, you're going to have to always sacrifice something. So, like, I feel like that would be a good conversation because then you can figure out what you can sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, that'd be really helpful. Honestly, that'd be great too. Cause there's, I mean, there's some pretty big bands there and people that come out of Belmont too, that like would definitely benefit from being able to talk to an engineer. Cause mm-hmm. like the engineer is making them who they are pretty much. Yeah. In a way. They are the backbone. Yeah. But that would be a beautiful class mm-hmm. or a convo. Speaking of Belmont, how was your Belmont experience? What can you what can you touch on about it? You know, I actually really liked Belmont. People really trashed on Belmont, and I get why they trashed on Belmont. Like Belmont doesn't stand for the best kind of things ever. I would say, you know, sometimes, yeah, yeah, and like you know, no alcohol, no drugs. If they even see you touch it, you get expelled. Like that's like, all right, this is a school for the music industry. Like you have to realize it, you know. But that being said, I, you know, you just have to know how to work the system. Like if I didn't do all the extra crap that I did, I would have not been where I'm at. But like, it's not on Belmont to get me to do those things. I feel like, like it's, it is on you and they do provide you with like what you need to get there. So Mm -hmm. in that regard, I think it's good, but I just think the upper half of Belmont is like oblivious to what Belmont actually needs and what would benefit Belmont. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. We reached out to Belmont actually as Jack Warner and we're like, hey, like, you know, if you have students that want to intern with us, this would be a good place to intern at because like they can just like shadow an engineer, like follow him around on a Friday night, you know, ask questions and learn stuff as they go. But Belmont's like, no, we don't want our students to be in that environment. And it's like, how so? Because like it's in bars and around alcohol. Oh, but like where do they think that those kids graduating are going to go? Yeah. Like you, that's kind of where you start off. <laughs> yeah. That's the beginning of it. Like they're going to leave Belmont and have to go into it. So having the experience before leaving Belmont would be good because yeah. some people get there and they're like, yeah, this isn't for me. Like, I don't like dealing with this kind of crap, which mm-hmm. is like totally fair. But like, if you don't know that you just wasted $200,000 in four years of your life to figure out that this isn't where you want to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I- yeah, that's not really an informed. Uh, I, I feel like that's just not really an informed argument because I can talk about like some of the internships and like earlier jobs I had where like some of the people like every like half hour smoke break. Like, yeah, so many chain smokers. Yeah, in the industry. Dude. Yeah. Like they're just like they think the industry is something different than it actually is. And it's like it's not cushy and nice, you know, yeah. it's pretty cutthroat and you're going to see a lot of a lot of shit, you know. So like hiding from it for four years while you're at Belmont, it's not going to do you any justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, if if anything, like, you know, being like, yeah, the, the music industry, you're around like it's like chaos and high pace. And you're also like around like a lot of uh partying and you know like maybe like being around all that in like the earlier days like not only one does it kind of like separate the people who will like might like succumb to that or like you know be above it but like i I think like getting all of that out of your system like early on can you know set yourself up to like you know be more interested in like the work or whatever you're doing and like you know learn how to like balance all of that and like stay healthy because like i know like the first like couple years of college that was definitely my priorities and like yeah i had to like uh you know take some falls go through some bad experiences yeah. to be like okay what do i care about that isn't or what do i care about that is more important than getting fucked up and yeah like also like especially um you know these first uh 
couple years of like being an adult and being on my own, um, I've really had to like, you know, pick and choose, um, you know, when I go out and like have those late nights, like ingesting a lot and yeah. like, you know, knowing how to like balance my health with, um, you know, all that. And yeah, totally. Yeah. Cause if you're not allowed to like touch alcohol, at, you know, I mean saying you follow the rules and like, you know, abide by Belmont's laws. <laughs> but like, if you don't touch or do any of that stuff until after, like, you know, everyone goes through some shit at Belmont. Like you're going to drink too much one night or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, that'd be better to have in school when it's like not super important, you know, then like you go out in your professional life and you have the opportunity. Cause like, if you're doing what I do, you can drink at work, you know, but mm-hmm. like if you embarrass yourself or make a fool of yourself professionally, like, you know, it's going to be a lot harder to learn those mistakes professionally than like at school or something like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Which like could totally set you back or ruin whatever you were trying to do. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't know, I guess to each their own, everybody figures it out eventually. True. But I feel like it'd be a lot less headache if Belmont, was realistic about what was going on in life. Yeah. Like I, uh, so I started like smoking weed and drinking like maybe junior year of high school. Okay. And like, I'm, I'm kind of glad I kind of, um, you know, had that like introduction to all that. Cause like, I, I know some kids who were like pretty like straight edge all of high school and like got yeah. to Belmont and like, you know, we're oh, like yeah. kind of messy freshman yeah. year. <laughs> oh yeah. They just, yeah. They're sloppy and just like, look stupid <laughs> yeah like they're the annoying kid totally because i was the same way like i probably started smoking sophomore year and i had drank a couple times in high school but not like really yeah I, I didn't i didn't get drunk until like senior year yeah yeah it's probably same for me but then like belmont came and like i kind of knew how to handle myself like getting fucked up because it's mm-hmm. like i had done it for like three years at that point but if i had like gone in with no parents you know no rules like nobody's checking in on me like I think that would have been bad. Yeah, for real. Because <laughs> if I had that freedom when I was like a sophomore, junior in high school, getting into all that shit, I would have done a lot more stupid shit than I did, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But yeah, everyone will figure it out in their own own yeah. way. <laughs> Actually, speaking of uh, speaking of parents, how was uh, growing up? One of the things that I think we kind of connect on and like just one of those like funny um things that like I have in common with someone that like I instantly feel a spiritual connection with is like someone who like grew up in the Midwest. Oh, told dude, the Midwest was the shit, dude. It was like, growing up in the suburbs of the Midwest, dude. It was so awesome. Like you just did like, you know, you're just chilling with people in the neighborhood, riding bikes, like, you know, not a worry in the world. Like the activity that we used to do as kids, like we'd like all meet up at the park and walk to the gas station and get snacks and then like smuggle in like an energy drink into someone's basement Fuck yeah! and then chug it and be like, yo, we're <laughs> wild right now. Like <laughs> everyone's oh, like gosh. going crazy. And then our parents are like, shut the fuck up. It's like <laughs> it's midnight. <laughs> oh, man. But like, you know, we weren't like getting trapped in an alley, getting mugged or some shit like that in the city. Yeah. <laughs> so like that was nice. But I don't know, dude. The Midwest is like always going to have a special spot for me. Like mm-hmm. I would never want to go back now just because it doesn't yeah, have no. what I want there now. But like as a kid, it had everything that I needed because it had like the space, the parks, the woods, the safety, you know, just the friends in the neighborhood and stuff like that. Like the Midwest is great, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Like it a, was, oh, oh, a, dude, a Midwestern summer is like unlike. Oh, absolutely. Oh. I, I look back fondly on all my summer vacations. Oh, it's, it's the greatest. It's just like you're wait, you literally wait for nine months. while it's freezing in the sky is just like gray for nine months. And you're like, 
guys like the summer we're gonna we're gonna turn it the fuck up mm-hmm. <laughs> and summer comes around and like you're not inside for three months yeah well i was about to say it's kind of debatable because i um played a lot of xbox that's growing fair. up that's but fair. during the summer and for, for the most part i think i had like a pretty good balance of like going outdoors staying in shape and yeah you know the the marathons till 5 a.m on modern warfare 2 search and oh, destroy dude. with the boys oh absolutely dude those marathon that's the best marathon that i've ever been a part of oh absolutely <laughs> and the only marathon dude all-nighters do you remember all-nighters as a kid where it was like that was like the goal you'd be like guys like we're sleeping over we're pulling an all-nighter oh like, yeah we're fucking doing it we're going till the sun comes up mm-hmm. and then i like 1am you like all fall asleep <laughs> yeah I, I don't know some sometimes we would all crash pretty early on but um a lot of times it was you know like 7am and we're yeah. like still going like playing halo or like watching some shit on youtube totally dude you like chugging mountain dews and shit like that mm-hmm. <laughs> that was dude that was our thing like we'd be like all right guys like like the ingredients for good night in the midwest was the summer where i grew up like we walk to the gas station, everyone would get like three bags of chips, like two bags of candy, and then we <laughs> we buy like four cases of soda, and then we like yeah. and we get home and we'd be like, we can't crack these things up until like midnight, you know? We need the <laughs> caffeine. <laughs> and like midnight rolls around, and we each chug a Mountain Dew, and we're like, yo, I'm feeling good now. Like, <laughs> oh, dude, those those are the best times ever. Hell yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whenever I'd have friends over, I'd always have like a really detailed grocery list for my dad and like a <laughs> bunch of chips. Need like oh, yeah. either like a two liter of Coke or like two like twelve packs. Yeah, dude. Or you need like probably some ordering like, queso some, dip. Yeah, or something. probably ordering some pizza. Oh yeah, dude. The pe- yeah, dude. Getting the pizza. Oh, that was the shit, dude. My mom used to buy the. Did you ever get those big ass Costco pizzas? Um a couple times we um we we didn't have costco growing up but i think like sometime after i left for college my mom got a costco card okay we're we're, okay so you weren't like a bulk your did your family do the sam's club or costco they were not that crime no we weren't really bulk buyers oh dude that was like the shit when i was growing up like my my mom dude everything was coming from costco or sam's club like (laughs) which one do you like better dude honestly I think I like Sam's Club better, but they're the same thing. But Sam's Club was closer as a kid or when I was growing up and I had my license, dude. And you can go to Sam's Club and get a hot dog and a drink for a dollar fifty. Damn. Yeah, dude. So it was the shit like we get our gas from Sam's Club. So anytime we had a fill up gas, dude, we're just like stocking up on hot dogs and soda. <laughs> Hell yeah. It was the move, dude. So did Sam's Club have everything or like just groceries? So I know uh, Costco has everything. They, they they have everything too, pretty much. I, they're literally like the same thing. They're laid out the same way. They probably have the same exact, you know, stock and everything like that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. We were a Costco family, and then Sam's Club opened up, and then we we're a Sam's Club family. Oh damn! So, but I'm kind of back on that Costco grind now. Yeah, I haven't been in forever, but I have a Costco card. Yeah, it's it's kind of far away. Like it the only far. one I know of is like all the way on charlotte pike yeah by like the target the over side there. of nashville yeah yeah I, that's dude that's the thing here is like that realistically is probably like a 15 20 minute drive which isn't mm-hmm. which isn't awful but like it feels like a trip you know what i mean like that yeah. that feels like an all day all day thing mm-hmm. and if you're on the road like anytime between one and seven oh like, you're sitting gonna in be traffic traffic-y. yeah dude it's and that's like and that's when we're going you know <laughs> yeah it sucks what's your what's your least favorite road in nashville Oh, my least favorite road. Oh, that's a tough one. 
dude honestly 24 right over there during traffic coming this way at like four in the afternoon you know what i mean you know where you get off the exit and then you go by the kroger like you pass like the kroger's here and then you keep going to the house here wait the, the one like right by our house yeah yeah i know what you're talking dude, about that highway at 4 p.m is like the worst thing in the world it's like standstill traffic for like two miles i'm trying to think i've i've probably been on it yeah yeah i'm i'm sure i'm like sure you've been time. on it but yeah. like dude it's it's bad it's really bad i'm trying to think of what other what what road do you would you say um, there's a lot of bad ones out there yeah there's a couple probably um thompson lane like okay. from oh, yeah. fr- from like right when you get to berry hill to like when you get to briley parkway like it's oh. either like completely backed up or you know like right um like in, in between the tunnel and the the nolensville yeah. pike intersection oh, all yeah. those potholes dude the, that's a bad area dude the worst light i think is that intersection where you take the left you know the burger kings over here mm-hmm. taking the left to go to that burger king you said you have to go through three cycles that light before oh, you I actually bet. turn dude it's brutal actually okay i change i change it my least favorite road to drive on is fucking broadway okay that's rare (laughs) (laughs) absolutely awful yeah no oh i'd do anything to have that road be blown up by an atomic bomb dude it's so bad yeah (laughs) i hate i fucking hate broadway dude also oof it might be a little too soon to make a joke like that oh shit (laughs) (laughs) sorry second avenue (laughs) but broadway's next (laughs) yeah um so speaking of Broadway, what's it like working there? Because I know um, with Jag, you're there like a few different venues. Yeah. So, you know, in the beginning, it was fine. It was like, all right, you know, I, I got this job. I'm getting paid pretty well. I get to mix bands, you know, six, seven days a week, which is fun. But the more I do other stuff, dude, I can't stand Broadway. <laughs> the musicians are just all so frustrating to work with. Like, none, none of the venues sound good. Half of the venues, it's not even about music. It's just about politics. And it's mm. just like, there's a, there, I don't know. It's, it's not bad. It's not a bad gig. But like now that I've kind of seen the other side, I'm like, I can't stand doing this anymore. And also, and it's not bad. It's just the, the worst part is that when I do work there at a, like a nighttime, I'm there till like 3 a.m. And that's, it's so brutal. Yeah, I, I hate those nights, dude. And like, you know, now that I'm doing all this other stuff, it's like a band's supposed to play for like 45 minutes. They're not supposed to play for four hours straight. Like, yeah, that's a stretch. <laughs> that's so long. And it's so mind numbing that like after an hour, I'm like completely checked out. It's like this is this shouldn't be the way it is. It's so boring because it's like, you know, the mix is done after like 20 minutes. Usually for me, like I'm happy after 20. You know, the mix is fine after like two songs. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, all right, this is a good mix after like 10, 20 minutes. And then there's like, you know, three hours and 40 minutes left. And it's like, what do I even do for the rest of this? It's not like I'm going to actively watch the show and make sure everything sounds great for the next three and a half hours. Yeah. Because like, no one even gives a shit either. People aren't there to see music. They're just mm-hmm. there to get drunk and then there happens to be music. Yeah. It's probably hard to like catch a break too. Like for, for like your ears sake. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. I mean, I want to anytime I'm downtown now, I wear earplugs like I I will not go down there without earplugs because like, you know, it's it's stupid loud for one. But I just like it's not worth ruining my ears over something that I don't really feel like sacrificing them for. You know, yeah. like if I was with a really cool band and we we're doing all these shows 
and like it was a really cool tour or something like that like i would i wouldn't wear ears because i want to like make that experience happen but like if it's broadway like no one gives a shit how it sounds i mean i still make it sound good but like no one's coming up and being like yo that was a good mix or anything like that so like Mm -hmm. i really don't care too much yeah but as long as you hear you can hear a vocal a kick drum and a bass guitar down there you're pretty much fine Mm -hmm. people blast their amps anyway so everybody can hear that yeah yeah i uh yeah broad broadway it's like I, I i don't know i i don't like it but i also like kind of part of me appreciates it appreciates it for what it is yeah um, oh, oh absolutely and broadway dude broadway once in a blue moon is so fun like to yeah. go down there and hang out it's it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. and and if you have people visiting town like you gotta take them to broadway yeah you know, absolutely. Like people, everyone who comes to nashville should see broadway mm-hmm. it's like a staple yeah but when's the last time you've been on broadway uh i went there during the day one time to visit my friend who works at underground and got some hot chicken at Modelo. it was a nice afternoon at, at underground mm-hmm. do they have good hot chicken over there they do hmm. it's uh it's mimi's hot chicken i don't know if you've heard of oh, that oh, i don't know if it's like its own restaurant or anything is it inside of underground yeah. i should go check that out because dude food on broadway is really hit or miss some of it's good and some of it's just like what the hell did i just eat yeah but underground yeah underground hot chicken that's good to know mm-hmm. i should try that dude i feel like they've been they've been having a lot of big people play at underground lately you should you see yeah. slushies just there mm-hmm. dude it's just like every time i've been to underground for a show it has sounded so awful that like i have not enjoyed it it does sound bad because it's like you know there's no top end so you can't even hear the parts that are like cool it's just the bass mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, like, as someone who doesn't really listen to that stuff, it would be sick. But as someone who listens to that stuff, it's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm missing the other half of it. Mm-hmm. But then again, for for some people, that's kind of all they need. Yeah. Oh, in that base. Yeah. They just need to feel like they're at a rave, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, it is sick. It's always pretty hype in there. But what's the last show you saw there? Um, I think the company show back Was in October. Was it the company show? Yeah. Yeah. I've been seeing... Uh, I think I saw slushies there. I think I saw like pixel tear or something's playing there too oh. soon, which I haven't When's seen. When's that? It's coming up. I think sometime in between now and September, I think. Nice. But pixel tear is cool. I like their stuff. Yeah. They're really cool. that would be a fun show to see. Who are some of your favorites in EDM and EDM dude? Oh, I, I know that space laces is one of them. Space laces for sure, dude fucking craziest guy ever he he's just on some shit that nobody else has ever on. i know i like him zomboy is always a solid i always oh, think absolutely zomboy is always amazing i like i listen to his new song and it's like you know it's nothing crazy it's nothing super different but like zomboy just makes it sound so good mm-hmm. it's like mix downs and just like the way his he, mix downs are so solid it's like how, how's the dude doing it it's like apps it's mixed like pop music but yeah. it's dubstep it sounds so good <laughs> i'm like how is he getting this out of here mm-hmm. but i'd say zomboy space laces i've always been a big phase one fan i've always liked phase one yeah phase one's always been sick company has always been a big one for me mm-hmm. uh i don't know you know it always goes back and forth because someone's always on some shit i've always really liked barely alive sam but just kind of anyone in those in that region of all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think all of them are sick. Like they're all just wild. All just heavy shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but I really haven't been listening to a whole bunch of EDM lately, though. Yeah. It's kind of 
yeah i mean zomboy here and there and stuff like that and like i'll, I'll listen to all the new stuff but i, I haven't like it just hasn't been on the rotation lately that's fair you, you've been on the pop punk grind i've been on Is a big right? pop punk grind dude i'm gonna go on thursday to see this band called four years strong that oh i've heard of them yeah i'm obsessed with them now dude and if, i mean if you're free thursday dude i'm gonna go uh i work damn damn work yeah <laughs> but yeah i'm gonna go work. see them i've been on a huge pop punk grind though dude that's been all i've been listening to who are some of your favorites four years strong for sure state champs are awesome uh neck deep knuckle puck just kind of all over you know i've heard of all those people a lot of my friends in high school they like went to warp tour every oh, year dude yeah and dude, I, I feel did, like did you I ever missed, go no i missed out on that dude like Same. if i gotta go to that shit now i go crazy but yeah like, i'm like i'm a 23 year old man going through his pop punk phase right now so <laughs> <laughs> people well, don't time understand me dude my girlfriend fucking hates it oh really <laughs> yeah she's like i don't mind listening to it <laughs> but like i'll turn it on she's like can we not listen to that right now <laughs> like, oh, all man. right that's fair and then i turn on casey musgraves what's wrong with casey musgraves <laughs> nothing but it is no pop punk yeah true do, do, doesn't just like strike the chords it does not it does to. not hit the same way i just pop punk drums are mixed fucking awesome and i there love are i love listening to those drums dude they're so good yeah i've like I've I've dipped my toes um like I, I I kind of um like around the time that my friends are going to warp tour there were yeah. like some bands I listened to here and there um like uh the story so far do you know oh them? yeah oh yeah they're great dude I like them a lot and uh like I, I I guess I don't like actively seek out pop punk but if it's on I'll definitely yeah. listen to it it's fun and energetic and mixed well. Yeah, totally. It's always mixed. So that's like one of the biggest things to me is like if it sounds really good, like I'm probably going to be into it just because that's kind of what I'm in, what I'm into, you know, mm -hmm. not into country music, but country music sounds pretty good usually. Yeah, it's it, it is mixed really well. And yeah. like pop country, I hate it. But from like a mixing standpoint, yeah, it's so much fun because it all sounds so crisp and clean and there are like so many layers too dude it sounds so good and you know what i, I was thinking about this dude i'm like why is it that country music always sounds so good it's because country music's mixed in nashville and nashville has the best engineers yeah true which i never really put those two together but that's probably why mm -hmm. you know they're not mixing country music in like georgia yeah <laughs> or anything like that or chicago chicago's not touching country music mm -hmm. but i thought that was crazy yeah. Now, speaking of like studio and mixing and stuff, how'd you um how'd you um get to like wanting to do live sound from like um not only um like before you like knew you wanted to go to Belmont and like knew what you wanted to do, but also like kind of like when you're at Belmont yeah. and like you know there's like the choice of like you know going doing studio stuff or live stuff. Like tell tell me about that whole development. Yeah, I mean. So I was like, so coming into Belmont, I was like, I dude, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just like, I know how to, I had been DJing for like four years and I was like producing music and I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't want to do something else for a little bit. I was like, fuck it. Like I'll be a gym teacher and a soccer coach, I guess. Oh. <laughs> I was like, and my parents are like, oh, I feel like you could do something more than that. And I was like, all right, that's fair. And so I was like, all right, so I'm kind of like into making music and DJing and all this stuff. Like. 
what can I do with that? And then someone recommended me Belmont. They're like, they do audio. So like you can do that stuff. And I was like, okay, that'd be kind of cool. And so I went to Belmont probably dude, probably like 60% of people like, yeah, I'm going to sign up for these classes, make fucking six songs. Like I'm a beat maker, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to get in the studio and make fucking beats and all this shit every day. Yeah. 24 seven. Yeah, dude. I thought that's what it was going to be like. And then I got there and I'm like, kind of like, all right, so like this is a little bit different than like making shit in Ableton. Like this is a little bit different. But then I was like, I took some classes and stuff like that. And uh, I was, I went to some convos and I was like, yo, like film audio is like kind of sick, like doing film and all the, you know, cause it's kind of, it's kind of like the shit that I was doing before. Cause it's all Foley and like sound effects and like mm-hmm. you're creating a soundscape and stuff like that. So a lot of that was like what I was doing before. And so I was like, this is kind of cool. Like maybe I'll do this. And so I was like kind of into that for a while. And then at Belmont, you have to take introduction to live sound. And so I was, I took that class and I was like, Oh wait, this is like kind of cool. Cause then we, you know, we got to learn on all the analog consoles and boards and stuff like that. And then eventually on the X 32s and on the digital stuff. And I was like, this is kind of fun. I could get to poke around with this stuff, you know, get to work on a console. Cause like up until that point I had been working in DAWs, which is like cool. But like, having the physical touch of like actually playing on a console, I think is really nice and really fun. Mm-hmm. And so I got really into that. I got way into live sound. So I was like going in, you know, they have the classes and they're like, so like, we'll leave the classroom open if you guys want to come in and like poke around in the gear and stuff like that. And so I was going in all the fucking time and just like mess around on all the boards to try to figure them out and stuff like that. Cause you know, I, before that I had never touched any audio or live sound or anything like that. And so I was like, all right, well, I got to figure it out because like this is kind of cool and like I got to get a good grade and stuff like that. And so I just get like groups of people together and we go poke around and do all this kind of stuff. And then I was just like, yo, this is like really fun, actually. And so then I did that. And then uh, uh, I, you know, I was I had I took the class with Poff and I really liked Poff. But then I like met Munsell and Munsell was super cool. And then I was like, okay, like I'll take the Live Sound 2 class. And that was when I was like, all right, shit, like this is fun, like we're getting to do like big PA stuff. I took sound reinforcement and then I took mastering master mix for live with uh Buford Jones, who is the front of house guy for pink Floyd. Like he did Van Halen. He did, he did so many different people. And I was like, this is like so fucking cool. And so then I just started, I started working at impact actually soft, I think sophomore year. Cause I was like, I like talked to the teachers and I was like, Hey, like this is like something like super cool. And like, I want to get experience, but like, I don't know how to get experience because they want people who can do this. So like, and I've never done this before. So I want to like figure it out. And so I was like, all right, like I'll go work at impact for a little bit. And then, you know, impact was really fun. It was, it was a great place to get experience. Yeah, it, was, it was so good. Cause you could like do anything like stagehand. That was a great way to start. You know, you learned how the stage is set up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I don't, what were the other jobs? It was stage manager. Yeah, it was that. There was front of house. There was monitors. monitors. There was lighting. And then stagehand, right? There, I think that was yeah. They, and then um, was it patch for, tech. Do they have a patch tech? Uh, or is that I the think, monitor guy? I think they. Or I, I think I'm thinking of showcase. Oh um, yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think that's what I'm thinking too. But yeah, oh yeah, that was another thing, dude. I went to all those showcases. I was like, hey, all these shows are like sick, like you know like it's a belmont spin on like a live show so it's mm-hmm. belmont but like i was like these are really like cool shows dude. yeah like, they have a full pa hanging from the ceiling like a huge stage like full lighting like yeah it was the real effing deal it was so real i was like this is sick and so i like i signed up for all the uh 
you know how you could like sign up to be a part of the showcase where you're just like a helping hand and stuff uh-huh. like that and dude i like signed up for those and i'd like i like somehow weaseled my way because they only like they never really let people the people who signed up do like backstage stuff when i was there you know they only let like three or four people to do like the set changeovers yeah. and stuff like that and somehow you know i didn't know fucking anybody i was by myself and so i don't know anybody but somehow i weaseled my way into getting backstage doing all the backstage stuff where like in between the shows and stuff i'd like go set the patches and stuff like that like set out the di's and all the microphones for like the next band and i was like this shit is so fun like this is so sick because it's like so intense and it's like mm-hmm. so stressful but like at the end it's like really fun and rewarding yeah yeah i've grown to like the rush and like dude <laughs> i i kind of want that in a job now like i want to like like what whatever is like going on that day i kind of wanted to be like high stakes and dude adrenaline, <laughs> yeah. adrenaline rush dude it's so that's i think that's like the main thing that i like about it because like those that high stakes adrenaline rush dude is like so intense like you're mm-hmm. like holy fuck i'm stressed like this is all relies on me is this gonna get pulled together if it doesn't get pulled together there's like an entire crowd of people standing out there that's not gonna happen yeah. for <laughs> they're gonna want to know why it didn't happen mm-hmm. and so i really really like that rush and so, and so then i did that stagehand stuff for a while and then you know, you take the live sound two class and then you get to work that event. Mm-hmm. What'd you do for showcase? In that I got class? fucking stuck in the green room mixing oh, the VJ really? and green Record. room, which is so <sighs> bullshit, dude. I mixed, dude, the entire time I was in there because they had the separate feed and you can mix. You got all the channels uh-huh. through Dante and you can mix in that room, dude. Nobody came in that room the entire Damn. time I was there. That's unfortunate. <laughs> it was so bullshit, dude. I really wanted front of house or monitors or even like a patch tech or something like that. Mm-hmm. Didn't want stage manager. Fuck that. Same. Dude. I actually, um, you know how we pulled all the roles from a hat? Yeah. I actually got stage manager and that was the one thing I did not want to do. Um, but conveniently enough, the person who pulled front of house didn't want to do front of house. So oh, I got to dude. trade with him and like, I really wanted to do front of house. Dude, who would want to do front of house? Did you mix on a profile? Um, it was an avid S6L. Oh, you got the avid S6L? Mm-hmm. Dude, how, how did you like that? It, it was a good console. I loved the the touch screen. All the buttons were super smooth. Yeah. It was cool how it like kind of felt like Pro Tools. Yeah, dude. I I like. I've never mixed on one of those, but I really want to. I really like the profiles now. I didn't like the profiles at first, but I kind of really like those now. I think they sound great and like super flexible. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's your favorite console? Right now, honestly, yeah. I was a huge M thirty two X thirty two guy, and like I still am. I know those things like in and out like really well, but. Now that I'm mixing more at the exit in, dude, they got the, well, it's an SC48, but that's pretty much just the diet. It's a diet profile. Mm-hmm. I really like them. Like, I think they sound great. Like a lot of headroom, a lot of dude, all the effects that you would ever want. Like it's super flexible. You can move channels. You can duplicate channels, the patch bay, like the actual patching and stuff inside of it. It's fucking great. You know, one-to-one block and grid patching. I really like that, but that's probably my new favorite console at the moment. I really like, I've mixed I haven't written, really mixed a show on the D Live, like the Allen Heath D Lives, but I've mixed monitors on them, mm-hmm. and I think those are kind of nice too. They feel really good and they look cool. Yeah, but, I haven't <laughs> messed around with anything Allen and Heath. Yeah, yet. I don't really like Allen and Heath except for the D Live series. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah, I've, I'm do now that I'm doing uh uh now that I'm doing all these festivals and stuff this summer. I'm scared, dude. I I like I'm excited, but like I'm scared because like I don't I don't know what consoles I'm gonna be on, and so like it could be it could easily be like a Digico, and I've never touched a Digico, mm-hmm. and I know those aren't like you learn the day of consoles. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, 
funny enough, the one I was about to pull up, it was the uh, Digico SD12. Oh, okay. Um, is that the big one or is that the little red one? Um, there, there might be like different sizes, but the one I used was like pretty big. So this was, uh, this was back in April. Um, it was, a uh, it was, um, so best of the best showcase was happening, but, yeah. um, B Belmont day was happening that same day and, um, event services that department I work for sometimes yeah. they do that. So I got to mix on the SD 12. It was oh, really cool. It, was that, is that in the auditorium? Uh, the, the arena, the arena. Yeah. yeah. Oh dude. Is it fun? Yeah, it was pretty fun. This is what it looks like. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 dude. Yeah, the touchscreen, um, all the buttons are um, just like the way it's laid out. It's like very easy to be like super quick. Is it really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, like I like the idea that these everything is assignable to anything. That, that's a really cool idea, but like that's not a really cool idea when you only have th a 30 minute sound check and you just showed up. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. <laughs> so like that part, like it'd be cool if I had that for like a week before we went on the road and I could program it however I wanted to. But like the day of, I'm like, oh, fuck, like I just got to make this shit happen, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but I mean, you know, I'm excited if I get a mess, a touch of those. Dude, you know what's been weird, though, hmm. is a lot of festivals lately have been using M32s as their front of house console. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is like a very small and not super powerful console for like a whole big festival rig. Oh, yeah. That seems kind of seems kind of small and dinky. Yeah. I mean, I, I was shocked. And like, you know, you only get four effects sends. So like. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. But like the big bands that rely on all that stuff. It's like, what are they going to do? Yeah, I guess I could use outboard gear, but that would be a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. That would not be fun. <laughs> yeah, what 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 festivals are you going to be at aside from CMA? Uh, so I'm going to be at CMA. Uh, I think the first one we do in June is called Riverbend Festival in Chattanooga. I've heard of that? Uh, and then we do Tailgates and Tall Boys Festival in Bloomington, Illinois, and then wow, I really I really don't know their schedule all that great. It's that. And then I know we do, we do like a tin roof run in North Carolina where we play like North Carolina, South Carolina, and then another tin roof in North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Which like, I don't, I don't know if I'm, I mean, it'll be cool to be out there, but like it's, a, it'll be a tin roof gig. So mm -hmm. I don't know what to expect for those, but let me look up these other dates. Cause they got, I mean, they're on like a major festivals, which is kind of shocking to me. Cause like, I mean, I guess they're big, but like, you know, they're playing they're like opening up for like some major people and if this whole festival thing goes well this uh summer for them they're gonna be open up for jelly roll in the fall i don't think i've heard of jelly roll jelly roll he's like a he's like a big country artist he's a weird i don't know i don't know how to describe him because i haven't really listened to jelly roll a whole bunch but he's like country rap kind of i guess like tatted out face tats and stuff like that okay I, yeah i don't know how to describe him but he's a, he's like a big deal so that'd be cool and then let's see, we do Bloomington and then we do Tully, Utah for Country Fan Ooh, Fest. Utah. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. And we do Ohio, which is the Mus Musk and Gum County Fairgrounds. Oh, and then we do Pilgrimage in uh, Franklin. Oh, nice. Yeah, which will be cool. And then we do Omaha, Nebraska, but I don't know what festival that is yet. Damn, busy summer. I know, dude. I'm excited. I was, this kind of came at a good time too because. I was kind of trying to book some other stuff for the summer. And uh, one of the bands that I went out with named Arlie is doing like another six week tour. Mm -hmm. And I was going to, I was going to text him and be like, Hey man, like I know we worked together in the past. Like, have you found a front of house engineer yet? And I'm sure he hasn't. Cause he doesn't really know that many just cause like 
through the you know interactions that we've had but uh you know this this worked out better because this will be a better you know festivals will be a lot more fun than i mean his his tour will be fun but he's going to be playing like 300 cap rooms to like 500 cap rooms so i'd rather be out in a festival during the summer yeah for sure yeah so it'll, it'll be fun because you know we do the show i'm I literally show up, get it like a 45 minute sound check, 45 minute set, and then I'm done for the day. And then we just get to go hang around the festival. So right on. I'm excited for that part. Hope you've, uh, oh, sorry, were we about to oh, say? I, I was just going to say, I hope they're cool guys. I hope they're fun. <laughs> yeah. You've, uh, um, I, I know you've like kind of been on tour before, but yeah. um, have, have you like been on a bus or have you kind of just been like driving in your car? Uh, or? So kind of a bus. One guy I go out with, you met Johnny before, right? Yeah, I think briefly. Yeah, so I've been out with this guy named Johnny Cochran, and uh, I guess it's technically a bus. It's a it's a fucking uh, handicap pace bus that he's converted into a tour bus. Oh, and so it's like a handicap pace bus, but but it's gutted, and then there's like a queen size mattress in the back, and then like two futons. So it's kind of like it's not like the you know what you picture when you picture a tour bus, mm-hmm. but it's it's technically a bus that we go on tour with. So. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, when I was out with the Betcha guys, they just have like a Sprinter van, you know, like the Chevy seated row van sort yeah. of thing. We do that in the trailer with that. But I mean, those are fun in their own way, you know, because no one's like everyone's on top of each other. So like you're not spread out. So you're like all hanging out with each other, which is kind of fun. That is fun. Yeah. But we got some fly dates with Bexar. Bexar's got some fly dates, which will be which will be interesting. I've never traveled that way with a band, so I don't know what the vibe is going to be like for that. Because I don't know if they're like they want to like hang out with me or if they just want to like I work for them, so I will be there when I need to work for them. Okay. Sort of vibe. I don't know what their vibe is yet, but I'm hoping they're trying to chill, dude. Like I feel like that's the farthest or the farthest the, f- <laughs> the funnest part of touring is just like hanging out with the band and just like having a good time. Yeah, definitely. Partying and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Because when I was with Betcha. Uh, it was a month or two ago. You know, we did Dallas and New Orleans. Like, you know, we got to Dallas and just fucking went out. It was super fun. I really like Dallas. Yeah, actually. Dallas is cool. Dude, Dallas. I was always kind of anti-Texas just because Texas is Texas. But, dude, mm-hmm. Texas is really fun. Dallas, It, it da- has its charm. It really does, dude. Dallas, Texas is really cool. I think that's a cool, like a really fun, you know, city and state to be in. Did you go to Deep Ellum when you were there? I don't think so. What is Deep okay. Ellum? It's like a little neighborhood that's like super cool and artsy. Actually, a lot of good food. Actually, I think that's where the show was. Oh, really? Yeah, we played a Club Data. Let me look that up because I think that actually was where we were at. Deep Ellum, Dallas. Because, yeah, I, I literally think that's probably. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly where we were at. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's in Deep Ellum. That was super cool, dude. Yeah, that, yeah, that area is like really cool you know just like really cool bars really cool restaurants the venues you know we were supposed to play a different venue than club data but that they had all these weird restrictions with the fire codes and the fire marshals where they had to cut our ticket sales in half oh and so we were like well we're not gonna play a show if we can only sell 75 tickets you know we came here to sell you know 300 tickets and so they moved us to the data so we can get more ticket sales but each venue is really cool both have their charms nice but I really like Dallas, dude. Fun place. It is fun. <laughs> do you have to deal with that a lot? Like, kind of like conflict, like what what you want to do for the show kind of conflicts with the venue and like their rules. Sometimes, uh, that was probably the most clear example. Other times where they're like, you know, 
you can't load in until this time. We'll be like, well, we have, you know, we have a lot of stuff with us. We need time to set up sound check. And you have two other, two or three other bands that are playing this bill. So like we can't get in, you know, we need to get a little bit earlier than like four or five o'clock. <laughs> but other than that, I don't think it's too bad. Uh, and it's more of like the, you show up in the gear. They're like, yeah, we got gear for you guys. And you show up and it's like, <laughs> All right, we're not going to mic a kick drum with a 58. <laughs> like, it's just that kind of thing or they're like yeah we got we got cables but they got like four 10 foot xlrs and they're like all right we got 20 channels <laughs> this is oh, not gonna damn. work oh it's more of that kind of stuff but like doing stuff at the end and stuff like that like i kind of feel it now because the ends the end is a cool venue but dude the gear there is just like it's not up to standards <laughs> it's so mm. bad i've done a lot of shows there where five of the xlr cables died halfway through the show damn what do you even do i guess just like <laughs> put in backups yeah if you have yeah them. try to try a different xlr dude i did this one show where the lead vocalist xlr died two minutes into the set oh fuck! it was terrible and i brought up three different xlrs while she was singing to get it to work and all three of those xlrs were also dead oh my gosh <laughs> such i was like what the fuck and then i finally found one that worked and then i talked to the guy who owns it i'm like hey dude you need to buy a cable tester. I'll go out and buy it for you. If you reimburse me, I'll go buy this cable tester tomorrow. So we know which, you know, which cables actually fucking work. And thankfully oh he did goodness. it. <laughs> and they had the deal where they're like 20 bucks for a cable tester. So I bought myself one too. That's good. Yeah. Do you know if that's still going on? I, I, would, I know you mentioned it. Yeah, a I, would, I would bet it's still going on. It's guitar center. Okay. I feel like they were probably trying to get rid of them because it's like the little Mackie. Oh, I brought it back downstairs. Uh, it's just like the little Mackie one. So like they're probably just trying to get rid of their stock. They probably got a whole bunch there. Gotcha. Yeah. I have a guitar center gift card I need to use. Oh, do you really? Mm -hmm. That's not going to get one of those. And then some cables for this interface. Yeah. But yeah, cables are always a good thing to buy. Yeah. I'm kind of now I want to buy a bunch of cables, but like I kind of just want to build a bunch of cables instead because it's a lot cheaper. Like if I just got like a 200 foot spool of XLR cables. And then just soldered a whole bunch of them. I feel like that'd be way cheaper than buying a bunch of XLRs from Guitar Center. <laughs> probably. Probably a lot more fun, too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've, yeah, I've been soldering. I've been getting back into soldering lately. I've had to solder a whole bunch at the shop last week. <laughs> fun stuff. Very. Going back to, um, going back to the crazy, uh, story you mentioned about the XLRs not working. Yeah. Um, tell me, um, yeah, tell me about like a show or incident where like you were just up Shit's Creek without a paddle. You got to run for your money. Everything was on fire. Oh my god, dude. And what did you do to get through it? Dude, my Oh, dude, the first show that I did out of town, I did the show in St. Louis on this like hotel rooftop for this company, uh for Apogee Promotions. Oh, dude, it was a fucking nightmare. So, it was three, I think it was three or four bands. I got in there didn't have enough time to set up, didn't have enough time to make sure everything worked. And then it was weird because I had an X32 rack and that fed the PA and, and all the inputs and everything like that. And then I had the iPad, but the iPad died. And so I was like, fuck, <laughs> I have no control over anything. And so I used my computer with the X32 mix app while the iPad charged, but the iPad wasn't charging fast enough and it was really hot out. So it was overheating. Oh God. And then the computer died. <laughs> And then there was a bunch of feedback because I had things clocking off the wrong thing. Oh and my then, gosh. Yeah. And then the bands show up and I'm like, okay, I, it's, it's kind of settled now. I just have to do everything from the charging, like wherever the shit's charging. Cause like I can't walk around cause it's all dead. 
And so I got all the bands fine. So the first two bands were totally fine. There's all on wedges, you know, we took, you know, bass coming off the amp head, all that kind of stuff. It was all, that was all fine. But then the last band came in and dude, they had their own rat. No, they had their own X32 rack and their own X3 or they had their own in-ears and it all went through their rack. And so they wanted to jump from their rack to my rack. And I got that. So that worked fine. But like, everything like soundcheck everything was fine they got everything fine you know it sounded great soundcheck was good all the gear worked totally fine and then the show happens the first two bands totally smooth everything was fine and then the third band gets up there and their in-ears rack doesn't work and i'm like and you know i'm like this is i haven't i wasn't that experienced at the time so i was like i don't know how to deal with any of this shit like i've never worked with in-ears before oh god so i had no clue how to fix never it never want that to happen oh dude yeah i had no clue how to fix it and then it just like wouldn't work. And then my console stopped reading their console. And then both my computer died and the iPad died. Jesus, <laughs> it doesn't so, stop. It didn't stop, dude. And I was like, fuck. And then I was like, you know what, guys? Like, we, we just got to ditch the ears. Like, can we put you through a wedge? And they're like, well, the issue with that is we have a lot of tracks and a click track. And you can't put, you know, the audience is like standing 10 feet away from them. So they'll hear the click track in the monitors, which will be super disruptive for anyone fucking listening. And so they're like... Well, we can't do that. And so after like 45 minutes of trying to figure this out, this set should have been done. They decided to do an acoustic act and there's like 200 people on this rooftop. And so they decided to just do an acoustic show and it was brutal, dude. And this girl was like kind of a big deal. Like she was the opener for Reba McIntyre on her last tour. And so I was like, fuck dude, like I look like a fool right now. This shit crashed, burned and died. <laughs> and like the promoters Very like, much so. yeah, the promoters like, Hey man, like, is this going to work? Like, are you getting this fixed? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I'm fucking trying. And there's like 200 people standing there staring at me, like wondering what's oh, going no. on. Dude learned. I learned a lot in that fucking I learned a lot yeah, there. Yeah, I bet. It sounds like a humbling experience. It was a very humbling experience, dude. Anything that I've learned has come from something crashing and burning to mm-hmm. the fucking ground. Yeah, those are definitely the biggest lessons. Absolutely. But that was probably the worst, worst thing that's ever happened to me. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, dude. That was bad. <laughs> Fuck. That was bad. There's no feedback during the show, which is a that's that's, that's nice. a positive. Silver lining. <laughs> yeah, that's that so that part was fine. But the show did not happen the way it was supposed to happen man but you know i'm steady now that shit doesn't happen anymore That's and good. i work within years a lot now so i know how to fix those issues <laughs> hell yeah yeah i'm a big in years guy in years are the way to go yeah they seem seem pretty cool yeah totally eliminate one whole factor of the whole live show mm-hmm. which is great no feedback <laughs> damn I'd, I'd be frustrated if a band was like okay we need a click track dude <laughs> I know. I, and like, y'all gotta, the, y'all gotta be more in sync with each other. Exactly. And like, the thing was at the time was I was like, you guys just don't know your music. You can't play your music. But the more I work with bands, it's like they need the click track, not because they're playing with each other, but they're playing to the tracks. And then, like, you know, if there's a pad, there's no timing. You, you don't hear the time on like a pad playing. So, like, you need the click track to know where you're at in the song with the tracks. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. So, like, if there was no tracks, they, they, there's no reason they need a click track. But like they had so many tracks that they needed that click track to play with them. Okay. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck." <laughs> who who was the band? Uh, I, wish, I wish I could remember her name. It was like I think it was Allie something. This was like a, this was like three or four years ago. Oh wow! Yeah, this was a long time ago. I wonder if I could find it. 
feel like it was like it was like Ali Cole or something like that or Cole something. Yeah, I'm like very out of the loop with the whole country world. Yeah, the, well, this this girl happened to be like a pop artist. Oh, okay. So, which made things almost worse. Because you can get away with a country show with no tracks, but a pop artist, you need the tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what this girl's name was. Apogee did a lot of shows. So, oh, it was Caroline Cole. That's who it was. Okay, I've heard of her. Yeah, that's who it was. Oh, yeah, that was a nightmare. Did they like have their own, um, like laptop or whatever sending tracks, or did you have to do that? Yeah, yeah, they had their own. Okay. Yeah. Every, every, if they got tracks the it's always the drummers using their laptop to send the tracks okay so that that at least is nice you know it's consistent every band's drummers the track guy mm-hmm. but dude literally shows that i do with bands that have tracks tracks are totally fine up until the point the show happens and then they die <laughs> yeah and i don't know if it's because they're not saving their ableton files or what's happening but i don't change anything but somehow the tracks never work the way that they did sound check and it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's all, it's always something you wouldn't expect. Like, yeah. I know a lot of people like working with tracks cause like tracks are easy, but I don't really like working with tracks. I like to, I like to be able to see, you know, which different microphones I have on stage and what's playing, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, a little, you know, little bit more control yeah, on your end. Yeah, exactly. And if I don't know the band or I haven't really listened to the tracks before, I don't know what the tracks are supposed to sound like. Mm-hmm, so true. mixing them for the first time is hard with no rehearsals or anything like that. But whatever they pay so i do <laughs> yeah yeah so um, another thing i wanted to ask and kind of hear from your end what do you think separates a class act a great sound guy who gets a call back from a lousy sound guy because there there, oh. there are those lousy sound guys that no one likes there are dude and there's i feel like there's a lot of factors like i feel like one of the biggest factors is if the band liked hanging out with the guy because if the guy's not fun to hang out with or work out with or like work with like you know they know they know other people that'd be fun to hang out with and do the same thing so like they just could call someone else i think that's a huge one because you know you can't be the drip on the road like if you're you know there's there's just like unspoken rules. Like you can't always be on your phone. You can't always be like just intrusive. Like you have to be go with the flow, like super chill, like someone that can talk to anybody because you talk to so many random people throughout the day. So if you have no social skills, like it's going to be hard to communicate with everybody that you have to. True. Cause you know, if you're on tour, like you, you know, the band's one, but like you get to the venue and you have to talk to the venue promoter. You have to talk to the venues engineer, the guy like who has mixed there before who knows the system and everything like that like and if you can't talk to those people it, it's a it's a mess but that for one also too uh you know some bands are forgiving but if you just it's just shows full of feedback that ruins a performance so they don't want someone else to come with they don't want you to come back and ruin another performance with them true uh another one's being quick and like flexible because shit never is works out the way it's supposed to work out so like Mm. you have to be flexible and quick with it because i mean with shows like that like doors are at seven you get there probably like two or three you know they only got so many hours and there's three bands that need to do everything that you're doing so you need to be quick with it like because if you're holding up with that band it's going to hold everybody else up and it's going to screw everybody else down the line so you need to be quick yeah definitely which i think that's probably one of the biggest skills you can have is being quick with it and like Mm -hmm. intuitive with it because you know something's always going to break so you just need to be quick with figuring out how to fix it yeah definitely or how to make it work actually 
because the engineer should not be holding the show up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they should be helping the show go. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I'd say those are probably the things that get you know people callbacks and not, no callbacks and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Which you know it's challenging too because if like if you have an off day, they don't know it's an off day. They're like, this is just how this guy works. So it's hard. You kind of always got to be on your A game. Yeah. But I mean, if you're with a band that you know you know they they're usually forgiving they they know what's up so mm-hmm. that's that's usually fine well, you know one bad show is not the worst thing that's going to happen to them so yeah as absolutely. long as you're consistent with your work then they're happy mm-hmm. so i think that's probably a huge one just being consistent absolutely yeah what's like the biggest thing you've had to work on or like biggest like growth you've had as a sound engineer over your over your years uh or just like the the toughest challenge honestly mixing is not usually a hard thing for me it's usually like the whole back half of it it was just like patching everything making sure everything goes right because you know if there's three bands they're all going to be sharing lines because you don't have a hundred inputs for every band to have their own input right and all the gear for that and so i'd say a lot of it is just like keeping track of everything like exit in is challenging because they have a you know 48 channel patch bay in the back but they have like four different you know sub snakes and so if you drop a sub snake by the drums, like drums are going to obviously be like one through 10 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But on that same sub snake, you might have a guitar that's going to like have to be patched into like channel 20 or something like that in the patch bay. And you know, so it'll go like channel 11 in the sub snake, but 20 into the patch bay. So keeping all that stuff straight is like challenging. Yeah. It's a mind fuck. Yeah. That stuff's a mind fuck. And then <laughs> cables not working is a mind fuck because you know you just see no signal you're like what is it is it a channel issue is it a cable issue is it mm-hmm. a musician's issue that kind of thing i but i'd say like the most challenging part is like the organization behind everything and keeping everything straight yeah definitely because that's that's a big one mm-hmm. and when you're starting off it like kind of takes a while to like find your flow and like yeah. the organization that works well for you totally but once you find it it's all dandy yeah totally and i, I have a system now where like every before every show i have a notebook and it all gets written down in the notebook to patch points and everything like that so if something stops working i can be like okay channel one and the snake is kick drum but it's going into like channel four inside the patch bay so let's check both of those but that and then honestly another i wouldn't say it's an issue but it's just like a growing pain but like as you mix more you realize the sensitive spots in a mix like you know the kick drums 200 to 400 is not going to sound good in a kick drum so like pull that out but i'd say it's things like that like if you're using a 58, it's probably going to sound boomy around 200 hertz just because that's the way the microphone's designed. Mm-hmm. And just like stuff, stuff like that, just like little like mix spots and like sweet spots and everything like that. Like I like boosting one to 3K in a guitar because it helps cut the mix a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. But like I didn't know that at first. So it's just kind of those little helpful mix trips or mix tips that those are grow- not growing, you know, I guess growing pains just because it helps clear up your mix a whole lot knowing those yeah. spots and everything like that. Like, also like knowing what an instrument is supposed to sound like is a good one yeah definitely <laughs> you know because you can mix it all you want and you're like wait but this doesn't sound like what it was supposed to sound like anymore mm-hmm. but also yeah just being i feel like a lot of people are afraid to do stuff or like mix stuff or touch stuff or just like experiment with stuff so like just doing that is important i think because you know sometimes my eq is like fucking radical dude like oh, <laughs> it yeah. doesn't look like it's supposed to sound good but like mm-hmm. it does sound really good so you know mixing with your ears not your eyes yeah there are no rules there are no rules dude 
my like dude i don't know why but the profile whenever i mix in the profile my eqs look so fucking crazy like my kick drum eq is like you know it's just like there's a little hump around 50 hertz nothing from 200 400 and then oh. a fucking mountain at like 5k oh damn <laughs> yeah that's ridiculous that is crazy yeah i mean it depends on the microphone too but on a beta 52 that's what it looks like <laughs> but yeah i'd say those are probably the growing pains and the issues with it i mean obviously feedback figuring out feedback and dealing with feedback is a pretty big one too mm -hmm. because i don't know you start small you know you work bar gigs and all that kind of stuff where feedback is going to be an issue but the bigger you get you know move to in-ears like feedback's not going to be the biggest it's not going to be the most pressing thing yeah so, yeah but it's good to start small because then now you know because you'll still go back to those small gigs and still be able to figure them out mm -hmm. absolutely yeah because like I mean, with Bexar, at least we're, we're playing all these major festivals and then we go play like a little dive bar in East Nashville when we're back in town. So like, <laughs> you know, it's not all going to be huge things like that. Mm -hmm. But is it weird transitioning between the two and like, like same, same tour, like same, like string of dates or is it pretty seamless? You know, I haven't done a whole bunch with them yet, but like you're doing the same thing, but like it does feel different. Cause like when I mix a show at the end, it's a lot smaller and a lot more scaled down than mixing a show at exit in. But realistically, it's the same thing at the end of the day. But for some reason, I don't know if it, it, it just runs differently. But like, it's the same gotcha. thing at the end of the day. You know, you're mixing out a PA with floor monitors. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing, but it does feel different sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I don't know how it'll feel, feel in, in, you know, compared to a, a festival. But like, but I mean, honestly, the festival sound the easiest to me because I'm not patching anything in. I'm not mixing monitors. You know, I'm just mixing front of house. <laughs> mm -hmm. And like the system's probably already been tuned. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. They have a tech on the system. They probably have someone there that like knows the console really well. So like I'm literally just white gloving it, walking in, mixing, walking out. So mm -hmm. that'll be nice. Definitely. Yeah. That sounds like a, yeah, that's the dream gig. <laughs> yeah. Spe spe speaking of dreams, what, what is the dream? What's like the, the bucket list or like, I don't know, you know, I just want top of the mountain career wise. I just want to Brando. I don't know. I mean, it, ch it changes over time, I guess. Like when I first started at Jag, I was like, this is cool. Like I want to be like kind of like a head guy. And now that I'm a head guy, I'm like, okay, I kind of want to leave Jag <laughs> and be like a touring guy. Like, you know, be like the go-to live sound guy for all the road shows and stuff like that. But I would probably say just, I don't know if I don't like, you know, the goal changes so much, but something that I really want to do right now is tour for like a month or two with like a pop punk band playing like 500 cap rooms. Ooh, yeah. Like that sounds fun because those shows are always super exciting. You know, 500 cap room is really fun because you have a crowd there and there's like 500 people there buying tickets to see the band. Mm -hmm. And like usually, I mean, if it's a 500 cap room, they probably have a decent sound system and, and like a different, you know, decent, just a d decent gear and shit like that. Yeah. So like that would probably be the next thing i want to do but i'll kind of just go where it takes me because it takes me in directions where i'm like didn't see this coming but all right mm -hmm. i don't want to mix country music though <laughs> yeah. but i'm gonna get stuck mixing country music yeah probably I'm totally gonna get stuck mixing it but they pay well so mm -hmm. that's fine for me <laughs> yeah uh what's the what's the capacity for exit in is that 500 uh like exit in is more? like anywhere between 500 and 600 okay yeah and then the end is like 200 to 250 okay yeah depends who's 
promoting the show. Yeah. I'm the, the last couple of shows I've been to at the end have been some like dubstep shows, but I'm curious like how many tickets they sell. Cause it's like really packed and you have trouble moving. Is it from, really? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it was those specific shows or if like, that's kind of how the end is perpetually, yeah. but you, you have trouble moving from like the crowd to the bar and to the bathroom. Yeah, and totally. Everything. Yeah. Those shows. Oh dude, those shows are really fun there. I've done some metal shows there that have been like that. And it's like, you don't, you know, you can't move anywhere. Yeah. And like that has like its own fun thing in itself. Were people opening <laughs> up the pit or dude, is there like not oh, enough room to open up the pit? Dude, they, there was not enough room, but they definitely opened the pit. <laughs> yeah. Dude, like, I, I, guess, I guess there's always room at oh, the end dude, of the day. Always room. And dude, metal people moshing are fucking ridiculous because they're like swinging their hands around and shit. Yeah. Like, dude, they're trying to like hurt people, dude. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But it's so hype to watch. You're like, damn, these people are going nuts right now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's it, crazy. Uh, yeah sold out shows at the end are fun sold out shows at exit in are also really fun because there's like an energy but it's not it doesn't feel the same kind of packedness that the end feels yeah definitely because like the end being sold out means that there's no space for anybody to move anywhere like Mm -hmm. each space in that venue is full but the exit in is like they you know they got the back lounge area and stuff like that true the balcony so like there's always room to move around there but like exit in or the end that's that shit's crazy when it's sold out. Yeah, and pro- <laughs> it probably sucks for you too if you have to like go up on stage dude, to fix something. It does suck, dude. It does suck, and like nobody moves. And uh, yeah, and the green room back there, dude. So the the property that the exit in was on, or that the end was on, the back wall hung over six inches onto the other property. Okay. Next to it, and so someone bought that property, and they they were like, "All right, we need to move that wall six inches back." And so they shorten the wall six inches back into the venue, which oh. is fine for everything else. But the green room went from like this to this. Oh. <laughs> and so it's like so fucking small back there now, dude. And it's so tight. It feels like a oh, tiny God. hallway that shouldn't be a tiny hallway. And so it's so small. And so like you have a four piece band back there and trying to squeeze through the crowd is like shit. And then you get in the green room and you're like, Oh shit. Like I got to squeeze through these people with all their guitars and all this shit. Oh yeah. And that's a nightmare too. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's hard when it's packed in there. Mm-hmm. It's definitely hard. Is the end, um, is it like good for now or is it, um, kind of like at risk right now as far as like, I don't know. So, cause like, I, I, I know, I know that like, exit in their their lease ends at the end of the year yeah so the end seems fine right now i you know that place has always been around and they were really on the fence during covid you know because they didn't have any shows there it's just bruce this old man who runs it and they didn't have anything going on so he bartends during the shows right yeah dude. okay yeah dude it's so he's so funny dude he'll just like go back in the back room smoke weed then come light an incense on the bar and just bartend for like that's amazing long, dude. what a vibe yeah dude and he's like deaf as fuck so he's got no clue what's actually going on he's just people point and he gets it <laughs> <laughs> but they were they were in danger during the pandemic and then they got that music or it was that i don't remember it was like music kindness act or something like that where they gave the venues in town like a stimulus check pretty much and that saved the end and now i think i think they're fine now I, I haven't heard any talks of anything bad going on there but yeah which is nice because that's a cool that you know that's a cool venue that'll probably be around for a while yeah or at least until bruce dies but he's a he's a pretty old man now how old is he he's gotta be upper 60s 70s maybe wow. older yeah he's a, he's an old dude he's definitely an old guy it's crazy but, yeah but he's always holding it down there <laughs> hell yeah yeah 
great guy though but hopefully that place stays around because it's a fun venue it is it's cool I've seen so many cool shows there and like a lot of my friends from belmont would play there yeah it, it's a cool spot because it's a local spot you know like a yeah. lot of local bands play there so like it's a you know and like big bands have come out of there like mm-hmm. it's crazy all the stuff on the wall is where like some of those bands first shows were and it's like you know cage the elephants first shows at the end <laughs> i didn't know that yeah that's crazy It'd be crazy seeing them there yeah paramore's first shows at the end oh too. wow yeah which is just you know it's pretty legendary <laughs> yeah but it's cool it's a cool spot i hope it stays there for a while yeah and like that's that that's the thing with the smaller venues and like you know kind of why it's like you know concerning that they're all going away because like you know the the smaller venues that's where like the innovation the next like new best thing that's where it comes from yeah totally and like i don't know i mean the Obviously, like seeing a show at like Bridgestone Arena or like Nissan Stadium is sick, but like it's not this. There's no crowd, you know, you know, audience artist interaction because they're on stage, you know, 50 feet back from the front of the crowd. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not on top of the crowd. And then there's also people in the crowd that are like 400 feet back, you know, so they're not getting to interact with the people at the concert because they're sitting in the bleachers. They're not going to interact with the artist, so it's just like all spread out. It, it feels like a movie theater to me. It's like people go to the movie theater to see a movie. The people are going to this like stadium to like watch a show, not like be a part of the show. Yeah, true. So that that that's why I like those like you know smaller venues because there's like there's the energy of the crowd interacting with the artists and stuff like that. Like the artist is like on top of the crowd. Yeah. So, so like I really I think that's fun. Mm-hmm. And like there's something you know. It's something nice about having like a simple thing where there's like not a crazy light show. There's no LED wall behind them. It's just the yeah. band. Like there's something nice about that. Obviously, it's cool when all that stuff is there. But like, you know, there's, you know, mid-level artists and like local artists don't have the money for that. So like mm-hmm. it's fun just to see them live to like yeah. see them grow and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah, that's like another thing, like from a money standpoint, like yeah. you need like we, we need these smaller venues for, um, you know, like smaller bands to like be able to play those like earlier shows and get that footing. Yeah. And it's also good for like, you know, young engineers like you, like, yeah. you know, if there are no like smaller venues around, like how are you supposed to like get that yeah. initial experience? Yeah, totally. Because like you know a small band is not going to start and then automatically play like nissan stadium you know they need to Mm -hmm. start somewhere and they need to grow a fan base and that's why those like smaller music venues are there is because people are there to see like new artists and like incoming people that like might be cool you know and then they get fans that way and that's how they grow big and then play those big shows but like Mm -hmm. if there's nothing to start then how do they even do that yeah and like that's like where the culture comes from yeah like oh totally yeah it's it's like it's 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 coming from the people and like you know the fans are like in a way like calling the shots for like who they like like yeah. it's not just like a couple of old geezers like cherry picking everything yeah totally because like a like an arena show like there's no culture there it's just an amalgamation of people yeah <laughs> you know but like a 500 cap show like those people are there to like see that guy yeah not just to see a show like there's a culture there which is really cool mm-hmm. which i think is important to keep but Nashville likes to drive that out yeah but whatever there's other places that that can happen yeah actually so like in like some of the research that i did um they recently like passed um it was like some sort of bill um some i think it was like a about like a three hundred thousand dollar grant to like research like strategies 
that like kind of like other cities use to like maintain those like indie venues oh really yeah oh that's awesome yeah like i i I don't know like too much about like the exact specifics but it was passed like pretty recently and it sounds like it could be like a super cool project yeah that sounds perfect honestly that sounds great Yeah. yeah yeah just just like researching like how to like um you know like stay afloat amidst like the damage from the pandemic and like rising like rent prices and everything yeah oh that sounds awesome that's that's i mean that's what we need but i feel like the i mean i feel like the solution is somewhat easy you know don't wipe out the music venue and put an apartment complex there yeah (laughs) you know like i feel like the music scene is fine here until they started wiping them all out and putting these buildings there yeah and like um another thing i was reading about um the exit in or no it it was uh the the cannery row venues and like that that area it got bought out by some like real estate company from new york yeah like yeah in new york yeah dude it's like they just like care about money now it's not about keeping it local at all yeah like, local restaurants are going away local venues are going away it's just like you know everything's eventually going to be live nation mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking real estate companies and then corporate yeah which like sucks yeah then like that's the thing about gentrification like it's happening everywhere but it's like one thing like eventually yeah. like society is gonna be just like one big entity rather than like i know it's like the sum of all it's like super diverse parts yeah there could be no like pockets just gonna be corporate america yeah it's like fuck dude no one wants to live in corporate america (laughs) that sounds awful dude yeah i mean we kind of already are there yeah so true (laughs) we still got some of our freedoms yeah so i don't know We'll, we'll we'll see what the future holds yeah i guess time will tell yeah bummer well uh yeah, we're kind of, I, th- I think we're like kind of approaching time. Cool. So, uh, Let's do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah. Well, good thank chats. you for having me on. This is great. This Absolutely. has been really fun. And uh, yeah, one one more question before we go. I kind of asked this at the end. Um, yeah. So the, the, the show, um, part of it, aside from like getting closer with all my friends and yeah. stuff and like hearing about their experiences is like um, making like a stockpile of just like advice and pointers for like the younger generation yeah, totally. um i'm just wondering like if you have like any like good like advice for <clears throat> either like aspiring sound engineers or just like anyone aspiring to be in the music industry really i'd say just like like number one thing you've learned or just whatever comes to mind i mean one of the things that's helped me is just you gotta grind like you get you know you're gonna work shit hours you're gonna work a lot of time you're gonna do a lot of stuff but like don't not do stuff because I don't know. You just always got like, I, the way I felt like I became successful is I just constantly am doing something and meeting people. And I think that's important to just work hard and you also have to just like use the opportunities that are around you and talk to the people around you because they're all trying, everyone's trying to help each other and stuff like that. So like if someone's got some gear, I'm sure they'd be fine for you to go poke around on it. But there's so many resources out there now where I just get familiar with everything that's going on. And then when you have the opportunity go mess around with it yourself so that you can get familiar with it. Yeah, definitely. 
but yeah, just work hard, use your resources, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the resources thing is really cool. Like, well, what I really like about Belmont is that like a lot of those like initial opportunities and beyond, like a lot of it is like with our classmates. And, yeah. Oh, totally, dude. Like a lot of um, opportunities that come our way. Like, you know, we hear about from like classmates or old professors and like that sort of like sense of familiarity and like the whole journey, I think is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. This Absolutely. Thank you for being on here. Yeah, I've been excited for this for a while. Yeah, it was good. Hell yeah, dude. We got to do a full one with all the roomies. Oh, sometime. dude. Rolling pit, kitchen just, and pub, dude. Yeah, just oh, cause yeah. a ruckus. Oh, dude. Absolutely. That'd be so fun, dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, let's do it. All right. Let's get on the books. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, thank all you. Right. Absolutely. Peace.